Hi, I'm Jenny. And I'm Becky. And we are the Irreverends. Hey. <laughs> Yay! Welcome! Oh, I miss you so much, Jenny. Oh my God. It is so... Oh my God. Okay. I miss Tim. I love Tim. But when Tim was like, I'm going to be moving and I can't do the, the Irreverence, I was like... Oh, that's too bad. And inside I'm like, I'm calling Becky. <laughs> and I'm so happy you did. Yeah. <laughs> I, I think the last time we did an episode together might have been Moana. Oh, it's been a while because it was before I, I think it was the summer before we left for Texas. Right. So listeners, right now, by the miracles of modern technology... <laughs> I am actually in Connecticut. <laughs> and, and I'm in Houston. Right. And it is so, 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 so great to talk to you. So great to have you with us. Um, the Reverend Becky Zartman. Are you a canon? Uh, yeah, isn't that funny? Oh, my God. So are you like a, a very, you're just a the Reverend Canon, Becky Zartman. It, yeah. But like it's a cathedral canon, so it doesn't come with me when I leave. But I do love it because like there's no like mother question, right? Like so, if people want to call me by a title, it's actually Canon Zartman. Well, Canon Zartman, what is your <laughs> well Canon? Um, what is which is such a weird thing to call somebody? Canon Zartman, what is your title there at the cathedral in Houston? I am the canon missioner for welcome and evangelism at Christchurch Cathedral, Houston. And what exactly is it being a canon for welcome and evangelism? Uh, it means that somebody hired me to do all my favorite things. <laughs> like, being a canon for welcome does not sound very welcoming because you say canon and I still picture that great big weapon like a pirate ship. Yeah. And like that doesn't really seem very welcoming, but that's not what a canon is. In <laughs> but a canon means you're on bishop's staff or something at a cathedral. No, I just work at the cathedral. I'm basically an aglor a glorified associate priest. <laughs> but you get to do all these wonderful things with welcoming. Yeah. So before COVID, I threw parties all the time. That was great. Um, what I do is I help people make their way to the center of our community, the cathedral community, which is wonderful. And I also help uh, the cathedral think about evangelism and what that means and how we form people to be, to bring the good news to others. So it's not just marketing, right? It's also like a full, a full, like you, in yeah. order to share good news, you need to know the you good need news. To get it. You need to get yeah. It. And it needs to feel like good news to you, which I think, you know, one of the reasons we started this podcast was because I think there's all this stuff out there about what people think they have to think about God or Christianity, that God is frightening and that, you know, if, if you don't do good things or if you do bad things, you're going to go to hell. And it's all just so terrifying and it doesn't sound like good news. And it's so important that people learn, learn about our tradition and learn about the scriptures and learn how to read the scriptures and understand them because mm -hmm. then they'll find that it's amazing good news because otherwise it's just terrifying. And it's like, you're saving people from, 
from a nightmare. And that's not really very, um, good. no, it's so much better and, and more interesting than that. I know. So <sighs> today, so I'm so glad you're with us because today, <laughs> Canon, Canon <laughs> today we have a story in the scriptures today from the Hebrew Bible that is one of those horrifying stories that people point to when they want to say that God is bloodthirsty and that God is terrifying and all of that. And, and there's so much that we can do to help people understand it and to unpack it. And, and also just to help people see the way you and I approach reading a Bible story. Hmm. So why don't we get started with today we have this really big story that our Jewish brothers. It's really big. Like actually when you were like, Hey, do you want to do this? And then you're like, it's the binding of Isaac. I'm like, ah, I love you so much. I'm going to do it anyway. Well, <laughs> it, it is one of these huge. So our Jewish brothers and sisters call it the binding of Isaac. And a lot of times in Christianity, we call it the sacrifice of Isaac. And, and it's also mm -hmm. so important. There's so much we can talk about, but why don't we just get, why don't we start by reading it? Becky, and I think you said you might read it from a different version, which would be interesting. Sure. I've had this huge crush on this book. Um, oh, God. It's Robert you. Alter's translation of the... What? I love you. I love that you have crushes on books. <laughs> oh, my God. I'm obsessed with this book. It's so good. It's so good. It is the best notes I've ever read on scripture in my whole life. Oh my God. So, so what we'll put, a, you need we'll to put get a reference it. to it in the show notes. It's Robert. Yeah, he's Alter. done the whole, all of Hebrew scripture. Yep. Robert Alter. This one's called the five books of Moses, mm -hmm. a translation with commentary. And mm -hmm. so this is the one that I recommend that my Bible study uses whenever we go into Hebrew scripture, which okay. we tend to flip and back and forth between Hebrew scripture and new Testament. Okay. And Hebrew scripture is what a lot of Christians call the Old Testament. But I don't like calling it that because it sounds like the new one is better because that's how we Americans look at things like old stuff, unless it's vintage, <laughs> which is anyway, yeah. um, old is bad. New is good. And yeah, really, that's not that's not a label we want to give to this. And so we will call it the Hebrew scriptures, which is by the yeah. way, the Bible Jesus had when Jesus was alive. But <laughs> right, um, yeah. Some people call it the first testament, which I think is interesting, like the first testament and the new testament. But I really like Hebrew scriptures because they're scripture and they're in Hebrew, mostly. Yes. So, <laughs> all right. But so anyway, okay. So tell us what you're gonna tell us what you you got for us, Becky. Okay, I, I am reading chapter twenty-two, verses one through fourteen of Genesis. This story of Genesis. Genesis. Yes. Yes. No, so, <laughs> and it happened after these things that God tested Abraham and he said to him, Abraham. And he said, here I am. And he said, take, pray your son, your only one whom you love, Isaac, and go forth to the land of Moriah and offer him up as a burnt offering on one of the mountains, which I shall say to you. And Abraham rose early in the morning and saddled his donkey and took his two lads with him and Isaac, his son. And he split wood for the offering 
and rose and went to the place that God had said to him. On the third day, Abraham raised his eyes and saw the place from afar. And Abraham said to his lads, Sit you here with the donkey and let me and the lad walk ahead and let us worship and return to you. And Abraham took the wood for the offering and put it on Isaac, his son. And he took in his hand the fire and the cleaver, and the two of them went together. And Isaac said to Abraham, his father, Father, and he said, Here I am, my son. And he said, Here is the fire and the wood, but where is the sheep for the offering? And Abraham said, God will see to the sheep for the offering, my son. And the two of them went together. And they came to the place that God said to him, and Abraham built there an altar and laid out the wood and bound Isaac, his son, and placed him on the altar on top of the wood. And Abraham reached out his hand and took the cleaver to slaughter his son. And the Lord's messenger came out to him from the heavens and said, Abraham, Abraham. And he said, here I am. And he said, do not reach out your hand against the lad and do nothing to him. For now I know that you fear God and you have not held back your son, your only one from me. And Abraham raised his eyes and saw and look, a ram was caught in the thicket by its horns. And Abraham went and took the ram and offered him up as burnt offering instead of his son. And Abraham called the name of the place Yahweh Yireh, as it is said on that day, on the mount of the Lord there is sight. Ooh, let me say a few things and and that are, and then we'll just set them aside because I don't think they're huge big deals. I mean, unless you want to talk about them, Becky. So one is Christianity has tended to look back. I mean, initially after Jesus died, well, even while Jesus was still alive, people were looking back at their own scriptures, the Hebrew scriptures at the time. To, find, to try to figure out who Jesus was or whom, if there's a Messiah, what would the Messiah be and all of that. So one of the things that Christianity has done is look back at this story. This story is sort of a foreshadowing of what's gonna to happen to Jesus. Now, I don't, I don't really wanna talk about it that way because, mm -hmm. because so often Christianity only looks at the Hebrew scriptures for what they mean to Christianity. And not only do I think that's not the right thing to do, I mean, we should look at these stories as they existed for their own people and in their time. And also these were the scriptures that Jesus knew. Um, but I also think I don't, I don't really need that. I, I just want to let Jesus's story stand on its own. Okay, let me set aside one other thing. Because this is the cheapest way to preach your way out of this story. Back in the ancient Near East, child sacrifice was a thing. Human sacrifice was a thing. You know, it really was. And one of the cheapest, easiest ways to preach your way out of this story is to say what this story really is, is a way to show that the God of Abraham was not like one of the bloodthirsty gods of the ancient Near East who wanted you to sacrifice your children. And that the whole test was just to show God's people that God wasn't one of those gods. I feel like that's a cheap, easy way to escape this story because it lets you say, 
it lets you just treat it as if it was just an intellectual exercise, just what we would call a, um, a uh, thought experiment. Mm -hmm. And not only do I not really believe that, but look at the thought experiment and its impact on Isaac. Like, <laughs> like we cannot get around the agony. When this young man or child says to his father, here is the fire and the wood for the burnt offering, but where is the lamb? You know he's thinking, oh crap. Oh, yeah. You know he's terrified. So you can't get around this story without really deeply struggling with it. And so it certainly is true that in the ancient Near East, human sacrifice was practiced and God doesn't actually require Abraham to kill Isaac. And so there's that, but that doesn't get us out of the guts of the story. Mm -mm. So Becky, where should we, with those <laughs> disclaimers? Oh, Lordy. Um, um, uh, well, um, our, our Hebrew brothers and sisters call this story the binding of Isaac. Mm -hmm. And you can understand why, because at the moment, you know, so that the way the Hebrew works in that sentence where, where Abraham's response to when Isaac says, well, here's the fire and the wood, but where is the lamb? And Abraham answers, God himself will provide the lamb for a burnt offering, my son. Now, Hebrew doesn't have punctuation. Mm -hmm. so, the sentence could read, God himself will provide the lamb, my son. You know, <laughs> like as in the son is the lamb. The son is the lamb. Or God himself will provide my son. You know, like, don't worry, my son. Uh -huh. It's probably how, how Isaac had to have tried to take that in order to keep walking and not just run, you know? But yeah. when Abraham binds him up, that's the moment that becomes clear to them both that God has not saved them, that it's really Isaac that is the one to be bound up. And, mm -hmm. and the agony, you know, you and I are both mothers, the agony of imagining a parent binding up the child. This is horrifying from any perspective and you and you gotta go there but this is why our hebrew brothers and sisters call it the binding of isaac because it's the moment of realization the real moment mm -hmm. where it's clear what abraham is about to do and what's yeah. interesting is that like up until that point like there are you know i don't know i read it like they do this thing and there's always kind of an out until yeah. it gets to that point. And like Isaac carries the wood, but Abraham carries the knife and the fire. Yeah. The dangerous things. That's right. <laughs> what? Literally, just in case the kid gets hurt on the way up the mountain. Right. You know? Oh my oh. God. See, I was thinking, oh my God, you're such a mom of a younger child. Because I was thinking <laughs> Isaac is carrying all of the stuff that will be burned up, both himself and the wood. Oh. And Abraham is carrying all the power. Mm. But, and but what's interesting about, and I wanted to say something about this, uh, this translation, which is one of the reasons I wanted to use it, was that, like, it says the cleaver instead of the oh, knife. Oh, and it's oh, because yes, it's, I noticed it's, that. All of these verbs are butchering verbs. It's not even liturgical words. It's like the words you would use 
when you were butchering an animal. Yeah, I noticed you read that and it There's really no way around this. And this is one of the reasons why it felt so important to talk about it and not just brush it by. Can I go on a little uh, rant for a minute? Yeah, uh, always. All right, bring it. All right. So, okay. In the Hebrew Bible, everything is, is so intentional. So that, like, like Becky pointing out that the, the verb, they're slaughtering words, you know, this is very intentional. Here are some things you need to know about what happens in the Hebrew text before this story and what happens after this story. And, and it relates to my rant. Before this mm-hmm. story, God and Abraham talk back and forth, almost literally as if they are just standing in the room together. Mm-hmm. So a couple things to notice. Abraham has argued with God in the past. And when God says, kill your son, Abraham doesn't say anything. Oh yeah. There's like, even like this huge haggling scene there is about how many righteous men yes, are necessary. He gets them down to like 10 or something like that. And then finally 50. God says, yeah, he works God down. And then God says, and that's it. No more. Yep. There's no haggling here. But here's another thing to notice. If you keep on reading through the end of Genesis until Abraham dies, God and Abraham never talk again after this story. They never talk again. Okay, so here's another sort of untold thing about the, the, the relationship between Abraham and Sarah. Or it's un, yeah. unspoken. Yeah. You can read it. Uh-huh. Abraham, so Sarah was not able to bear a child until she had Isaac, and that took God's intervention. So it was a miracle. For a man in his time when children were everything, and he was very wealthy and powerful, you needed an heir, you needed children. If his preferred wife wasn't able to have a child, he'd just take another wife or more than one wife. But Mm -hmm. Abraham had never taken another wife, which tells you that his relationship with Sarah is really very, very special to them. Abraham and Sarah never speak again. Yeah. It's not in there. And then she dies. And then she dies. Yep. And, and here's another thing. Isaac's last words to his father are, where is the lamb for the burnt offering? Isaac and Abraham Uh never talk again. The next time Isaac and Abraham are together in a scene, it's where Isaac and Ishmael bury Abraham. Yeah. Partly what I see in this story is that every relationship that matters to Abraham ends up irrevocably broken after this event. And also Abraham dies after God promises Abraham more descendants than stars in the sky and the promised land for his descendants. Remember, the only land Abraham owns is the grave plot of his dead wife. Oh my God, I didn't even think of that. Oh, And the only son that was his, that God tells him it's going to be through Isaac, right? Right. Like it has to be through Isaac. He almost slaughters. And I mean, so yeah, even from (laughs) Abraham's, okay. And Abraham has gone through hell trying to get Sarah pregnant and then the whole hoo-ha with, with Hagar and Ishmael, which was heartbreaking and we talked about last week, where finally they think, okay, now we can live this life in peace. And then God says, kill him. Like Abraham must have felt that God had given up on him. After this episode, Abraham has no more relationship with Isaac. 
He has no more relationship with Sarah and Sarah dies. He drove Ishmael and Hagar out into the desert. So they're now gone and, the, and they're so gone that God is referring to Isaac as his only son. And even Abraham's really close relationship with God is now broken. My theory is that Abraham actually failed God's test. That God's test, having argued back and forth with each other before, when God said, kill your son Isaac, Abraham was supposed to argue with him. Abraham was supposed to say, no, are you kidding? This is the promise. This is how you said we were going to live out the promise. No, this is now my only son because you told me it was okay to send Ishmael out. My, my perspective is that Abraham failed this test, that Abraham somehow had lost his humanity. And, and, and I don't, I'm not- So you see him like Saul. I see him, yes, I see him, and maybe, maybe crazy, like, like Saul became crazy. You mean, um, yeah. King, King Saul, not Paul who became, who started out. Yeah, 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 sorry. So like, um, like, like, they're like, Saul was anointed, and then that was taken right. away. Um, I, I sort of see him, yeah, as a Saul figure, although Saul seems to have gone crazy, I sort of see Abraham as becoming kind of a religious fundamentalist. Like hmm. he lost his moral compass and stopped questioning, stopped struggling, blindly followed and was ready hmm. to kill his own son. Now here's a clue that I see for this. Earlier, God tested Abraham. He said to him, Abraham, and Abraham said, here I am. So it's only one Abraham. In order to break him out of the, a sort of moment when he's raised up the knife to kill mm -hmm. Isaac, the angel has to yell twice. But the double vocative is a thing that happens a lot in scripture when something really important is about to happen. Well, and it only happens a couple times. The, and, and, and so it could be just a doubling down, uh -huh. but it could also be that it takes that much to get uh -huh. his attention. Uh -huh. And when coupled with when coupled with these other signs that all these other relationships are broken and yet normally in somebody's faithful relationship with God, what, what you see is flourishing. Instead, mm. this episode crushes them all. And so I, when I saw that God and Abraham never speak together again, that's what started me thinking and sort of looking back for pieces of evidence and to see, see um, what it would mean. Frankly, I'm going to be get a little um, sort of religious political for a minute. What this reminds me of is like the, the people who now equate Christianity with some sort of patriotic fervor about things like building the wall and incarcerating families at the border and that sort of thing that that the fervor was some sort of slippery slope but that has eventually brought them to a place where they can go along with harming people in the name of god mm -hmm. and and yet from the outside where i sit it looks horrifying and how could that ever happen but it's a it's a potentially slippery slope that even in my view, Abraham crossed into. Yes, 
Okay, so you know how I believe that. Uh, oh, you love baseball. Um, <laughs> reading scripture is like baseball. Yeah, there are there are fair balls and there are foul balls. Right. I I think that's a fair ball, but I have a different. So instead yeah, yeah. of a third baseline drive. <laughs> right. Um, yeah. So for me. Well, there's one thing, there's a note in here from Alter. Like I said, these notes are amazing. Um, When the Lord's messenger calls out from the heavens, it's almost the exact same wording. It is the exact same wording as what happens to Hagar about the boy. And so like that son is saved and this son is also saved. Right. Okay. So so like to focus more on, on God's actions with the sons than we are the Abraham's action. Yeah, well, no, I mean, like, I don't know. I mean, for me, when I read this, something I've been thinking a lot about lately is sacrifice um, and, it, and what it is and what it means to do that and why God sometimes asks us to sacrifice things. Right. Because God does ask us to sacrifice things. Well, sure. Things that actually we want a lot, right? right. Like we want certain things and we can't have them and God asks us and like, and like, it could be like, like generally things like we're supposed to not sin. Right. But like sometimes God specifically asks individuals to make sacrifices. Well, so thinking about like the other Saul, right? Like Saul, the Paul, Saul, um, you know, like a hardship and nakedness and, Famine and peril and sword, like all of those things happen to him. Well, or even in a much more mild way, going to the book of Acts, when the people lived together and shared everything in common, you know, they, they were giving up their individual ownership of things. In you order have to, to yeah. Support in order to be the kind of community that they were trying to build that was in the name of Jesus. Yeah. And the thing is like, and, and for something, but like something to be a sacrifice has to hurt. Yes. It has to be worth something. Right. So for me, it's about like, it's just a choice. Otherwise it's, and sometimes choices are hard, but that's not the same meaning. Or it's ethics, right? Like that's a thing you do, but that's not sacrifice. Like sacrifice is something sad and also holy. Right. Um, it's solemn and it hurts like crazy. So, but like, and so like what else, and like, I don't know enough about this to speak definitively about it, but like, there's something about this sacrifice. It is a profound sacrifice because it's not only his beloved. It's like three days, two. It's like, it's not even just like, yeah, the journey and which one. And the entire time, like when I hear this, like when I read this, I hear Abraham listening to God and every single step of the way, he is sacrificing something. And, and, and waiting and listening for God to change the narrative. God's mind. Yeah. And so like, I, like, I think there's definitely space to read it the way you just read it. And also I see this, like, I also, for my own personal journey with God, faith sort of thing, is that like Abraham, because it's not about the fruit that we see. So like, even though Abraham dies with the grave of his wife and two estranged sons. Right. It takes 
a hundred generations it, for the promise to be fulfilled. Be, yes. And so I'm like, not, I'm not sure it's a hundred generations. I don't, I don't remember. It's a lot. It's a long time because there's like 400 time. years in Egypt, right? Like well, it's like his grandkids go to Egypt and they're for 400 years. Well, frankly, and then like the is whole, it all settled today? No. So, no. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> But, but, you know, you are right. I mean, I think that's what this story, partly what I wanted people to hear about us struggling with this story is, is there some simple answers which don't actually get you, they don't, they don't engage you in the struggle enough. There's my sort of answer, which is a legitimate, it's not a foul ball. It's, it's fair. It's a legitimate, re it's a fair ball. It's yep. a fair ball. It also doesn't solve everything either right mm -hmm. but then there's struggling with just this notion of sacrifice because the outcome is that the promise is fulfilled through isaac you know it, mm -hmm. it does it is fulfilled through isaac and ishmael's promise is fulfilled through ishmael but the and for me the thing i've been thinking about all the time lately is this um means and ends sort of thing Mm -hmm. like it like it's just virtue like i've been thinking about virtues a lot and like the thing about it is like you have to do the thing in order for the thing to come true like the virtue here is faithfulness and he needs to be like the faithfulness is the thing like this is a very stanley Hauerwas way of thinking about it but like it doesn't matter whether it works or not because the question is whether or not you've been faithful. faithful right so when i i mean becky Having just been uh, tear gassed, I certainly understand the the idea that sacrifice can be painful. Mm -hmm. But I also feel I ache, I cry out for Isaac mm -hmm. because even though this is called the sacrifice, it's Abraham that's being asked to make the sacrifice. It's Isaac who's in fear of his life. It's mm -hmm. Isaac who almost dies. It's Isaac whose father tries to murder him and then whose mother dies, probably of heartbreak. I mean, it also points to the reality that sometimes you might be caught up in something where you have end up paying a price. <laughs> mm -hmm. and, and sometimes you might be the sacrifice. What is that? And what is or what you want? is the sacrifice. And then the question becomes, what is your faithful response to that? And so here's what I see Isaac do that I find incredibly touching. Isaac finds his brother Ishmael. Somehow Isaac and Ishmael, even in the days before texting, Isaac and Ishmael find each other to bury their father. Mm -hmm. That feels incredibly faithful. I mean, it's sad because it's mm -hmm. the only way Isaac ever, Isaac or Ishmael see their father again. But it is certainly a faithful, loving thing to do. And I say that as somebody who's here in my mother-in-law's house and we're here with her because her health is failing so badly. Mm -hmm. The idea of what is the responsibility of a child to help care for and tend to the last things of their parents, it feels like faithfulness for sure. Mm. And even though Isaac had been through this with his father and Ishmael had been through an abandonment, with his father also, they come together and yeah. bury him and that is incredibly loving. Mm. And they find each other. Like we just overlook that. I find that beautiful. Mm. 
Like there's some kind of journey there. Yeah. And some kind of reconciliation that I think in the great big picture, Becky, because I'm in the hope business, I'm this eternal, relentless optimist. <laughs> if Isaac and Ishmael can find each other to bury the bones of their father, their father who did them both wrong, there is hope for peace. There's hope. There is a reconciliation between these two brothers, enough of a reconciliation that they know where each other is, they find them each other in peace and they bury their father who hurt them both so badly. Mm -hmm. uh, and then they both go on to thrive in their own ways. Right. And Isaac finds Rebecca, Rifka, and right. they um, bear right. twins and right. do the thing and, you know, and there's still live life. There is still strife in their families, you know? Oh yeah. This is, a, this is like, I always think of Anna Karenina all happy families are all alike, well, but yeah. all unhappy families are unhappy in their own, in their own way. way. Like, <laughs> like the right. Abraham family is like unhappy in its own way. Like all of our families are all unhappy in their own way. So I don't want people to take out of this story just sort of a, a general understanding that God is violent and God wants, God is horrible and asks this horrible thing. I think that from either of our perspectives, Becky, either my fair ball or your much more common, and by that I don't mean to suggest, I mean, you're a king. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Sakes. You are not common. There is nothing common about <laughs> No, um, I know what you but mean. But yours is the more- The more mainstream reading, mainstream yes. View. But in either of these views, what this is about is faithfulness. What does faithfulness call for? from you and that faithfulness can be incredibly difficult. But I think that, um, what's his name? Alter, Richard Alter. Oh, uh, Robert Alter. Yeah. Robert. Um, his view also to look at it from the perspective of God hearing and caring about the sons is also very powerful. A lesson to draw from this is that God listens and protects the voices of the most vulnerable because the grown-ups are grown-ups, the children are children. And God both hears Ishmael, which means God hears, and God protects Isaac right here. And my hope is that Isaac is not just laughter in name only. My hope is that Isaac or all of those people who find themselves having been victims of something terrible, that they find laughter in their lives. Yep. Do you want to pick a Lectio? Do you want to pick a phrase for Lectio? Okay, here's the Lectio. And he said, do not reach out your hand against the lad and do nothing to him. For now I know that you fear God and you have not held back your son, your only one from me. Mm. So can you read that one more time in your translation? Sure. And he said, do not reach out your hand against the lad and do nothing to him. For now I know that you fear God and you have not held back your son, your only one from me. So one thing I hear, you know, remember the motif of the hand in the Hebrew Bible is, is, is such a symbol of power. Hmm. Do not reach out your hand to the lad. So that in, in your translation, it says lad. In the NRSV translation, it says boy. Mm-hmm. The, the implication of both of those things draws the distinction between power and vulnerability. The power mm -hmm. 
of the hand and then a child. I think for me, it makes me think about how fraught with danger all moments are like crackling with with danger or what's that word uh, kinetic energy stored energy like mm. something that could happen when there is a big power differential yeah that here the words are all about sort of the hand motif which in the hebrew bible implies power power by yeah. the hand and then the 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 deliberate use of a word it's not son it's, it's lad or boy, that, that moments where there is an obvious power differential have real potential energy in them. But what I wanna see, there's potential for danger for sure, but there's also potential for, for wonderful things too. What do you think of, Becky, when you hear this? When I hear this, I think of you've not held back really comes out to me. Ooh. Like what is like you have not held back. Oh my gosh. Yeah, that's smart. and so like, yes, this is a terrible story. And also like, what would the world look like? What, what would my life look like? Wow. If I learn not to hold back anymore. Oh, Becky. I mean, Canon Zartman. <laughs> um, no, you're right. That hurts. Like, what are what do we hold back and what would the world be like boy that's profound What's because sometimes like? the things we sacrifice are dear to us but they are not good for us well it's all and and they're also like the bs ways we like give up chocolate for lent or something right <laughs> you call it a sacrifice but it's not only not really a sacrifice but it doesn't actually do the world any good whereas mm -hmm. if we were to give up driving our cars you know that sacrifice can help help the planet you know there are sacrifices mm -hmm. that also don't really mean much but your question of holding back we all and if you back. we all hold back and if we just like with our i don't know like your whole life like what could god do with you if you were willing and here's like and that's the thing abraham god does not take isaac from abraham no and so like, yeah, it ends in like a fiery dysfunctional family crash, but aren't we all living in fiery dysfunctional family crashes in one way or another? Uh, yes. Um, <laughs> so, like, so, like, right. so like the question becomes like, what could God do? Well, we, last week, Tim and I talked about the idea of enoughness. Oh, like, so good. Yes. We really believed that if we gave everything away, we would have enough. Mm -hmm. if, and that's sort of what's implied too in your in in your noticing this phrase of holding back. Like we often hold back because we're afraid we won't have enough. And granted, that's a weird thing to say in this context of holding back your son, but we're just focusing in on this one sentence. Um, mm -hmm. We do hold back because we're afraid. And what would it be like? Or let me say. I hold back because I'm afraid. What would it be like? So what's your blessing? I feel like there's so many blessings we could give. <laughs> blessing comes to you from the, this deep dive into this story today. My blessing, I think my blessing is that when you do get called to make a sacrifice, that it is for God's greater good. 
that's my hope right there. And that you have the faith to trust. You it. have the, the faith to trust it. Even if you can't, even if you don't understand that you have the faith to trust it. So I have this weird idea, but I'm going to trust it because <laughs> you know, what, could, what could happen to me, right? I don't know why, but what popped into my head were those servants that they brought along mm -hmm. and who are sort of going along, helping them do the stuff, whatever, you know, eat and pack up their tents or whatever, but they are bystanders. And my blessing, my prayer, I, it's not so much a blessing, is that when, when those of us find ourselves bystanders, that we see something that we think might mean danger, or we see something that doesn't seem right, that we would have the courage to say something. I, I guess right now I just have this on my mind with, with the people who... Um, who see police harassing people or who see uh, other people who look like they might be vulnerable to, to have the courage to speak up, to, have mm -hmm. the courage to say something because God could very well be using you to bring blessing or to turn the situation around. Now, I also want to say a prayer and a blessing for anyone who was ever abused or, or terrified mm. as a child to know that God hears you. Ooh, it just smarts. <laughs> it's so, this is really, and I feel like this is hard for us, Ginny, because yeah. we're both so, um, I don't know, cheerful. But it's like <laughs> yeah. no, and we're mothers, but, but we also take this scripture really deeply seriously. Oh yeah. Its own. And, and the struggle with it. I mean, here's another thing that we believe as Anglicans, right? Especially, Canon's Artman and I, uh, <laughs> I may be so old as to speak to Canon, um, that we believe that there's something really faithful in the struggle. Oh, yeah. That just blowing over it and saying, oh, this one means X doesn't give you much. It mm -hmm. doesn't, it's not, and, and actually this is the sort of thing that's behind me saying, I feel like Abraham failed the test. Saying yes to whatever you've been told doesn't get very deep inside you. And, and it is in this struggling of what could this mean faithfully? What does this mean to us in terms of what we know about God or what we know about what our own lives teach us about faith or sacrifice? This is a conversation worth having. And I don't think God is worried about you and I having this conversation and thinking it's not faithful. Oh, no. Why would God think that? <laughs> like, hey, Becky and Ginny talking about it, you know, like, you know, <laughs> it's such a faithful, we think it's such a faithful thing to do to dive into the scriptures and ask questions of it and, and pick it up and wrestle it. with it. And it will bless you. Like, like, who, Jacob at the Jabbok. So, right. So Isaac's grandson. No, no, Isaac's, Isaac's son. son. Right. Yep. Yep. Which will be like next week or the week after. So. Woo! Uh, all right. So if you like what you hear, then tell a friend and rate us on iTunes and or Google Play. And you can send us an email at Tim at theirreverence.com, but I can also get it, especially while Tim's traveling. <laughs> and 
Thank you, the Reverend Canon Becky's Artman, for being here. <laughs> so, um, goodbye, everybody. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you next week. Bye. Bye. <laughs>